Our next player we're going to be grading on the season is Paul George. And this season was a big one for PG. We're still trying to figure out if he can be that second best player on a championship team. And based on his on-court performance, availability or lack thereof, and other intangible things, just like we judged Kawhi Leonard, did we come to the conclusion that we're more confident or less confident that Paul George can be the second best player on a championship team? Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On PG Clippers. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri, going into my 19th season as a Clipper fan this upcoming fall. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I go live every single night at playoff basketball to talk about the games. And this episode is brought to you by Game Time. If you ever need last-minute tickets, look no further than Game Time. But for today's episode, we talked about doing player grades for various players. I gave Kawhi Leonard a B the other day. Well, today, we're going to be talking about Paul George. And if his performance this season, based on three categories, on-court performance, intangible things, and, of course, availability, how they affect our thinking if he can be, or our confidence, I should say, as fans, that he can be the second best player on a championship team. So let's just get into the on-court performance. This year, Paul George played 56 games, and in my opinion, by the way, if you see me looking away from the camera, that's because I'm still looking at the stats on my phone instead of the computer because it seems like it slows down my computer and just ends up lagging and burning up like a sauna, so I still want you guys to see me clearly. Anyway, Paul George... Had a pretty good season, like a typical Paul George season. His numbers were not far off at all from last year. But what a typical Paul George season means, as we've gotten to know with PG as Clipper fans these four years, is that means it's a very inconsistent season. For a star, of course. means he's going to have his amazing games where he looks like a world beater, where he looks like he's untouchable. He's going to have his other games where he looks like he doesn't understand how good he is. He won't be aggressive enough. He'll settle for a bunch of jump shots. He'll make the game too complicated for himself by trying to attack beyond the three-point line as opposed to in the mid-range area at the elbow where he is lethal. As you all know how much of a fan I am of elbow slash mid-post P. But anyway, this season, what I was really disappointed with Paul George was the way he started the season. He said before the season he was as locked in as ever, and he came out just not the best version of himself, to put it quite frankly. Just so much over-dribbling, really inefficient games. His one good game came against Sacramento, and then he had three consecutive awful games for Paul George's standards uh, to end the month of October. The one against Phoenix, uh, the home opener, he was 4 for 11, then 4 for 12 against OKC, and then 5 for 19 against New Orleans at home. He bounced back against Houston where he hit the game-winning shot, a game I attended. You can find the vlog and the game winner on my channel. 
That was hopefully a bounce back for him, and it was. He had a five-game stretch to start the month of November that was elite. We won four out of five games, and then you saw him go five for 21 against Brooklyn, seven for 18 at Houston, but we still won the game. And in the month of November, he averaged 25 points, five rebounds on 47.5% from the field and 41% from three. So besides the poor start, it seemed like Paul George was starting to get going, but then he was hit with a major setback, and that was when he was injured against the San Antonio Spurs, a game in which he had 21 points in just 15 minutes. That was really hard for us. So overall, it was looking like a Paul George, you know, top two kind of, or should I say, really good season as a number two option. But the thing is, at this time, he was playing a lot as a number one option because Kawhi Leonard was still out. And one of the more frustrating, thing, frustrating things about Paul George was when he'd shoot 11 shots, 12 shots, 19 shots, less than 20 shots without Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. You really always want him with Kawhi Leonard out to shoot 20-plus shots. But as you can see, or as I can see, since you can't see the stats, but in the month of November, he was starting to shoot more. He averaged 18 shot attempts a game, so close to 20. But you still want to see him just get them up there. In the month of December, it was actually his highest scoring month, if I'm not mistaken, with 25.5 points a game on average. Yeah, slightly more than uh, April. Was it March? He didn't play in April. Then March. But 25.5 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists as well. So 25-6-6 on 45.6% shooting and 41% from 3 this was probably Paul George's best month before he started dealing with some knee issues. So he came back against Charlotte, still wasn't really 100%. Now he's playing with Kawhi Leonard consistently, but you know he's going to have his good and bad games in there. I'm looking at the shooting splits, some really good games, some not so great, but he started to find a level of consistency. The games at the end of the month at Boston and at Indiana, the disappointing thing, and you can say at Philly in that road trip, that five-game road trip where the Clippers won two of the games, the Pacers game, the Celtics game, and the Sixers game were partially because of Ty Lue's decisions in terms of who he was closing with. But Paul George still could have played better in those games shooting the ball. 7 for 18 against Philly. 10 for 22, which isn't bad at all against Boston. He was 15 for 25 against Indiana, but it was just about closing. You still need to close as a star. And then after that, you start to see he was feeling some knee discomfort. We lost three games in a row, and none of them he scored more than 25 points in. So then that's when he missed 12 uh, days from the Denver game where we got blown out all the way to when we he returned against Philly in a game I attended. There's also a vlog of that on the channel on January 17th. So that was a tough stretch. After that Philly loss, we then went on to win six games in a row with Paul George in the lineup. Against San Antonio, Dallas, and the Lakers on the road, he was extremely efficient in all three. He was even better against San Antonio where we won by 38 in what was our biggest blowout, I think, of the entire season. And then at Atlanta and at Chicago, he wasn't perfect, but he was pretty damn good. And so in that month, he only averaged, funny enough, 20 points because the game against Denver having three points really messed with his average. But also he wasn't great against Philly with only by only scoring 13 points. But he, that wasn't a great month for his average. 20 points a game that month, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. His shooting splits 
Still pretty good, though. 49% from the field and 37 from three. Remember, this is playing with Kawhi Leonard. And around this time, that's when Paul George said that he's not a number one option. He admitted he was a number two option, which made people think, do you want to hear that? Like, it's good self-reflection that he thinks that he can't be the number two option because now he knows Kawhi's the guy and he won't do too much. But I haven't really had a problem with Paul George doing too much the last two years. Or should I say the last, this season, because we didn't have Kawhi last year. Sometimes it feels like he doesn't do enough. But I do still want Kawhi to get more shot attempts than him throughout the course of a game. That's something that I care about. But overall, him saying that, I don't mind it. But it also does go to show his wavering confidence because there's no reason why a guy with that kind of skill set that looks smoother and better than Kawhi on given nights should say that he's worse than anybody. I understand. I love the self-reflection. But the only reason he's not better than Kawhi is mainly because of his mentality and his decisions. It's not because of his skill. He's a better long-distance shooter than Kawhi. I mean, three-point percentage wouldn't tell you that. But the degree of difficulty on his shots off the bounce and the smoothness and effortlessness of it shows shows you that in terms of the eye test. But Kawhi Leonard, he does he has found a way to just shoot super efficiently. I still would take Paul George, though, from long distance, especially deeper threes. But overall, hearing that, let me know what you thought of that. So I guess that's my pinned question. First of all, do you think Paul George is a true number two option on a championship team? And let me know what you thought of his statement that he's not a number two, that Kawhi's that guy. But in February, you started to see him play heavier minutes. Every single game was a 32-plus minute outing for Paul George. He had some really good games. I mean, 30 points at New York, 29 points at Brooklyn in back-to-back games. He wasn't great in the Dallas game that Kyrie made his debut, only 20 points on 40% shooting, and he wasn't good in the Milwaukee game after that without Paul, uh, without Kawhi Leonard, only scoring 19 points on 8 for 23 shooting. But he ended those last two games before the trade deadline or I'm sorry, before the All-Star break, playing really well. And then the really confusing thing where apparently he had a knee injury coming back from Salt Lake where he was still not 100%. So if he wasn't 100%, why are we sending him to Utah to play in an All-Star game? I just don't get that. That was when he came back against Sacramento and we had that second highest scoring game ever and he wasn't allowed to play in double overtime even though he had already logged 41 minutes on the night. That was insanely frustrating And then we lost the four games after that, which just compounded the losing streak. He was 3-for-15 at Golden State. But in the month of February, he averaged 24 points, 6 boards, and and 4.5 assists on 45.5% shooting and 38 from 3. And then the last month he was playing, he started to say that his knee started feeling better. We won four games in a row, all of which he was amazing, and he started to turn up defensively. The one thing I have a problem with with Paul George this season was his defense to me took a step down. There were many games where he was lazy defensively, where he wasn't moving his feet as well, but mainly he was falling asleep off the ball and he wasn't really rotating. I can tell by now with Paul George on my team when he's playing defense like Paul George with like that defensive player all defensive team kind of mentality and when he's kind of just going through the motions and a lot of times you can tell because Paul George gets into trouble off the ball communicating with screens that's where it really comes his on-ball defense is pretty good but off the ball it could have been better now Paul George's defense wasn't a major reason the Clippers were an underwhelming defensive team this season it's mainly having bad defenders alongside him and not having a true guy that's going to go out and guard the best players on the other team because Paul George by the way is not that guy He, he says you know He said on his podcast, and by the way, I'm going to use Podcast Pete for some material, but 
He said, like, it's not that many guys that are going to go out there and get after it on both ends. Dude, Paul, if you got after it on both ends with that kind of mentality every night, the Clippers would have a much better record. But overall, the Clippers did have a 32-24 and record with Paul George in the lineup this season. That is pretty good. Eight games over 500. Clippers finished six games over 500 overall. So that means that without Paul George, they won 12 games and lost... Let's see. I said 32 and 24. So they won 12 games and lost 10. No. Okay. Let's see, the mental math can get cups sometimes. I'm actually really good at mental math when I'm saying it to you while I'm not trying to lose my goddamn train of thought. All right. 32 and 24. And we ended the season 44 and 38. So that means that we were 12 wins and. 14 losses without him. Yeah, there you go. So that's 26 games. 12 wins, 14 L's. Not great without Paul George. 11 and 19 without Kawhi. So it's very clear we need our stars to play well. But overall, it was a solid Paul George season. It's about what you expect. 24 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists. That's slightly less points than in 2022, which is normal considering Kawhi Leonard's back. Slightly less rebounds, slightly less assists, so slightly down in every category. Minutes, only a .1 difference this season. He averaged 35.7 minutes last season, 35.6 this season. His efficiency actually went up 46% this season as opposed to 42 last year. And his three-point percentage was 37 this year as opposed to uh, 35 last year. And his free throw percentage was up from 86 to 87. So overall... Pretty solid Paul George year, exactly like 2022 for the most part. Slightly more efficient, of barely less points. But coming up, going to be talking about his availability or lack thereof and how much that impacted the team, how much confidence that's the season he just had health-wise gives you going forward. Going to be talking about that coming up. Before I do that, I got to tell you about game time. There have, been, there have been times, for example, Game 4 of the 2021 Western Conference Finals, where I was really stressed out trying to buy tickets. But buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be as stressful as it was for me that one time. And I wish I had known about Game Time. Because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best, price, their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the date of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, and more. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Just download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All right, so let's talk about Paul George's season health-wise. So Paul George seems to be the guy you can rely on a little bit more than Kawhi Leonard health-wise. Obviously, his first season, he really struggled with, I believe it was the hamstring injury. He struggled with the first year with the Clippers, only ended up playing, I think, 45 games. And then the next season, he had the bone edema injury in 2021 and just various little injuries throughout the season. But in that one, he only missed 18 games. And I say only because it just seems like there's a new standard for missing games in today's league. But that was his, I'm sorry, so 48 games in 2020 out of 72. So he missed 24 that season, 18 the second season, 51 the third season. And this was actually his most, his highest games played for the Clippers. He missed 26 though. 
but he missed a larger percentage of the season, I guess you can say, than 2021. Paul George has struggled to stay healthy with the Clippers. Um, it's tough because before he was a Clipper, he played 77 games, 79 games, 75 games, 81 games, 80 games, 79 games, every single game of the lockout season. Then his first season, he didn't play as much. But every single season before he came to the Clippers, he played, he only missed five, uh, seven games max every year besides his rookie year. So between his sophomore year, the season where he missed basically the whole season with the leg break, and when he came to the Clippers, he missed a maximum of seven games. That's so hard to stomach. But granted, he is getting older, and he did come after getting major shoulder surgery. But the hamstring injury, the bone edema, the elbow, the knee sprain, it just seems like he is so much more prone to injury here. I don't know what it is. I like to think it's age. I don't want to say it's the medical staff because I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But again, one of my loyal listeners made a comment about Paul George's lower body and what she noticed at a game and said that he has weak glutes and that he looks like a lower uh, leg injury waiting to happen. So that's food for thought. You know, as I said, Tim Grover, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's trainer, talked about that players today, a lot of them lack that foundation, that stable base. Paul George, he does have skinny legs. It seems like he is an injury waiting to happen at times. But look, I'm not here to police people on stuff that I don't know as much about. All I'm here to tell you is that Paul George looked like he was playing his best basketball and was going to end the season playing 60-plus games, which would meet the threshold that I set for him this season. Remember, I said if Kawhi and Paul play 60-plus games, we will get a top three seed. Paul George going down with that knee sprain, it was just a freak accident. Truly just a freak accident, but I knew in that moment that our championship hopes were probably crushed because we weren't going to have him for the whole first round, and we were probably going to play Phoenix. So it was really crushing. It really was that Paul George couldn't stay healthy. This was actually the first time that he could not stay healthy. Um, Sadly in the playoffs for the Clippers because in the bubble, he was healthy in 2021. He was healthy last year. He came back at the end of the season. What makes it tough with Paul George's injury history is I really don't know what to think going forward. I don't know if he's going to be prone to another injury. I think as, as sad as it is, he might be, he's talked about it so much. Like he works really hard to come back from every injury. And I don't knock that at all, but every year he comes back and says he's feeling good. And then a new injury happens. It's just very hard for me to have the confidence and, Trust that he won't get hurt. A lot of it's just bad luck. Like that Lou Dort thing was really just bad luck. But I don't know. Bad luck just seems to happen to the Clippers. And as far as, you know, games played and stuff like that, I think the one thing about Paul George is we seem to know what injury he has more often than not. They tell us and they update us more. Last year, though, bringing him back when Kawhi Leonard was not going to come back during the playoffs was really weird. I think it's kind of interesting how we made Paul George come back or Paul George came back and we listened to him to come back late in the season, even though we had no chance of winning a championship in 2022 and Kawhi Leonard wasn't going to come back. I think we might as well have just rested him for this season, but it doesn't matter. The point is the load management with Paul George and the conservatism, it didn't help him prevent injury again. So do I feel good about it? Not so much, but coming up, I am going to give Paul George his letter grade and let you know what I think about everything else he did and how I feel about the ultimate question Can you be the second best player on a championship team? Going to be talking about that coming up. All right, so Paul George. As far as intangible things, before I get into the grade, I think leadership-wise, he's pretty good. But the thing is, as I mentioned in the Kawhi episode, how can we trust you as a leader when we don't know what kind of guy you're going to be? We don't know what kind of 
aggression you're going to play with. Are you going to catch the ball in the mid post and be aggressive and get to the rim? Or are you going to dribble all over the place and just shoot a bunch of threes and, you know, shy away from the game as it gets deep or and make those crucial turnovers that he tends to make? And what kind of defense are we getting? These kind of things matter. So considering he's inconsistent and considering the unavailability and he pushed in the front office to go get another point guard when things didn't really work out for his friends. So the one thing about Paul George we've seen as well as a Clipper is he has no problem recruiting friends to his team. He has no problem playing that GM role. So I don't know. Do you like that? Do you not like that? You let me know in the comments. I was very critical of it because I didn't want Russell Westbrook at the time, but it ends up that it worked out for us. And he even said, you got to give me some credit with my GM skills. First of all, in my opinion, I've said this before, but Paul George seems to duck responsibility. Two years ago, before the 2021 season, he said, I was being used like a JJ or a Ray Allen. He's not getting the ball enough in pick and roll situations. The stats didn't really back that up relative to his 2019 numbers. But then we had him on the ball more in 2021, and I admitted I was wrong. We gave him the ball more. He became more confident as that point forward. Now we're really leaning into that point forward role in the first time he's been back with Kawhi Leonard since 2021. And now he's saying we need a point guard. I'd rather not handle the ball so much. So it just seems like he wants to duck responsibility. The fact that the guy that's supposed to be the second best player in a championship team is saying, I can't do this. A lot of I can't, I'm not the first option, I'm not this. It's a little bit of an issue to me. Now, he did play better with Russ. It allowed him to come off the ball more and just catch and work quickly. And I really liked that. It conserved his energy for later in games. And I liked it. So I'm not going to get too mad at him with the GM stuff. But overall, Paul George's inconsistency and his lack of availability did not give me more confidence that he's the second best player on a championship team. With many people in my comments throughout the season saying that he he can't be the second best player and that Norman Powell is better than him. Now that's egregious. Paul George is still the second best player on his team and we really missed him in the playoffs. We really missed another guy besides Kawhi that can go out there and guard but also attract double teams and knock down open shots but also knock down contested shots. My final grade for him is... Drum roll, please... A B minus. A B minus because he didn't pass the availability check, even though, again, as I said, it's not all his fault. A lot of it's bad luck, but he's too inconsistent. Do I think he can be the best, player, second best player on a championship team? If healthy, I still believe in him. And the reason why is because we still, after another year, haven't seen he and Kawhi fall short together in the playoffs with Ty Lue. We haven't seen that three-person combination fall short together in a seven-game series. So until then, I don't think we give up on it or him. But let me know what do you think in the comments. Should we trade Paul George? Do you believe he can be the second option with his wavering confidence and his questionable decision making? Let me know what you think. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to my YouTube channel Dime Dropper for even more Clipper and NBA content. Subscribe to Locked on Clippers on YouTube and comment on today's pin question. Don't know what we have in store for Thursday, but I'm sure it'll be solid. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.